we're in Advent right now, and I want to read to us before I start chatting about it, part of the Advent story. So just listen to this. This is, I'm not, it's not going to come up here. It's a part of Luke chapter 1 and snidbits from all over it, and then we're going to talk about it a bit. So first of all, I pray, God, open, your, open our hearts and our eyes to your word and to your amazing story that became Christmas. Luke chapter 1. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayers have been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear a son, and you're to call him John. And he will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He will bring back many people of the Lord. He will bring back he will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. But Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and my wife is well on in years. He's nicer to his wife. She's just well on, but he's old. The angel of the Lord said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words which will come true at their appointed time. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. part of the Advent story. And we're in this Advent season right now, which is this time, what well, we think of it now as this time of preparation for the arrival of Christ. But that's actually the second idea behind Advent. Advent is remembering the arrival, remembering when God became man and dwelt among us, and we can't wrap our brains around what it was for the infinite to become very finite and very small. But the original idea behind Advent was, all, was actually about us preparing and expecting the second coming of Christ. Not when he would come as this cute baby, which I'm sure he was, and, and a boy, but when he would come, when he will come as the king of kings and lord of lords in power and authority to judge the living and the dead. It's a time of preparation for that arrival. So right now, we remember what he did 2,000 years ago, but we also remember that he's coming back. And what does that mean for us now? What does that mean for us in, in what we're preparing to do to be part of 
him coming back, to be part of helping the world see that our God is coming and we're all going to face him. That's what Advent's actually about, preparation, Christ is coming. And that's pretty intimidating. How do I be part of that? How do I play a role in that? And I love that because of this, we are doing a, a child dedication. We're dedicating Jack this morning. Because he was not quite a baby. He's a big kid. He's grown into a big kid. But when we dedicate a child, a baby or a child or a teenager, whenever we get them up here, part of the reality of this is that we know most of their life isn't written yet. Or at least in our eyes, it's not written yet. And as parents hold their child there, there's so much uh, expectation of what this kid will become, what gifts they'll have, what they'll be like, what their personality will be like, um, what his talents will be, how good he'll be at this or at that. Or I, I thought, so much more so, maybe the big question is, will my child's life matter? Will my child's life make an impact on their world? And, and I, I don't mean that like globally, necessarily, although it may. But will my child's life make a difference on the people that are around them? Will my child be a lover and a carer and, and an and a includer? Will he, be a ser he or she be a servant? Will he or she share the life and faith that we want to pass on to them? Will my child do that? And we all have, I have three right now, we all have total hopes that our kids will do that. But as we read this story, we remember, and as we read the stories coming up to Christmas and the stories of the Bible, remember, we remember that our expectations we have for our children are actually not around, mostly in God's sight and in God's economy, not around the gifts that Jack may have, not around the talents he may have, not around the personality he will have, but actually around the grace that God may have in using him in totally unexpected and sometimes even totally unwanted circumstances. That's the story of Christmas. The story of Christmas is about several people being used absolutely despite who they were, despite their skills, despite the timing, despite the situation, so that God could be seen in power. Here's one of the people that we just read about. I'm not sure it's an actual drawing. Elizabeth was the mother of John the Baptist the one who would prepare the way for the Lord. And yet she was advanced in years and critically unable to conceive. And what does God use her for? The one thing she's critically unable to do. He asks, he uses her solely to conceive a child. And the reality was that, this was John the Baptist, this wasn't even Jesus. So John didn't necessarily need to be a miraculous child, he wasn't a virgin birth. John didn't need to be an oldest child, he didn't need to be a, 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 an only child. He just needed to be a child. So he could have used anyone, and yet he chose Elizabeth. He chose someone who exactly 
did not fit the requirements for this task. Zachariah and Elizabeth prayed their whole lives, and her words lived in disgrace their whole lives. And now we're at a place where they knew it was impossible for them to have kids. Not only were they not able, now they were past that time. And yet that's the exact thing that God called them into. But more than impossible, God called her, especially Elizabeth, to be pregnant at an old age. When her body physiologically, but also energetically, would not have been ideal for this. He called her to give birth at an old age. I've never done this. I'm not going to claim authority over this. I had to rub a back for a few hours, but that's about it. And for me, <laughs> he called her to have sleepless nights at an old age. He called her to raise a toddler. I know that at 47, exhausting. 50, 60, maybe 70. He called her to raise a toddler at an old age. He called her to have birth, which is risky at any stage, especially at that time, but is risky for her and the child at an old age. He not only called her outside of her, her skill, but he called her at completely the wrong time when it would have been the worst circumstances for her. But that's the beauty of God's story. Nothing about Elizabeth's skills, gifts, or timing fit God's plan. But if it did, would she have been able to celebrate it as she did? If it did fit, if she was a, a woman of 30 who just had a child or one of her children, would the people have been in awe around her? If she was able to have a children, would, she, would it have been a miracle that she would have been able to tell her son, John, this is the way you were born. John, this happened. God spoke to Zechariah, and then it was way past it, and I was disgraced. Would she have been able to tell maybe on every one of his birthdays how special and unique she was? Would she have even believed it? You know, Zechariah said he heard it, but I've had other kids, and if she had the skills... If she had the abilities, if the timing would have been right, how would she have passed on that beauty and that mystery to John? But she wasn't the right person and it wasn't the right time. So John grew up knowing that he was the one that would prepare the way for the Lord. And as I thought about this, that God brought her the wrong person at the wrong time, but also through a tough journey, 70 years old, maybe going through all of this stuff, do you think now that Elizabeth regrets any of that process? She is sitting in the throne room right now, worshiping the king of kings. And do you think she's going, God, it would have been easier. Do you know what you put me through? Do you know the disgrace of years that ran up to that? And do you know the pain and tiredness after it? Yes, I know, but God, there were so many other ways. Or do you think she's just going, God, you are king, 
and you invited me into your story. Thank you, Lord. The suffering was worth it. The pain was worth it. The tiredness was worth it. My John was able to proclaim your good news. Do you think she regrets it at all right now? And then when we look at Elizabeth, we don't say, wow, wasn't Elizabeth amazing? She was such a gifted mother. She was such a gifted childbearer. No, we look at her and say, isn't God amazing that he chose her and he worked his miracles in her? The other person in the story, which we didn't read about, but is Mary. Mary became, through God's story, a pregnant, unmarried virgin. Which is not the ideal starting point for a first century or a 21st century fairy tale. But God chose Mary in a time she probably would not have wanted, in a timing she would not have requested, in a way she would not have imagined, not just to have a baby for him as a young, about to be married in a few months or a, or a year's time. That would have been an amazing call for a young woman to have the, the, the child of God, to have a baby. But God called her before that in a time when having a baby would have potentially been uh, a time when she would have been condemned and possibly stoned to death. There's the risk of that. He, he called her to it alone and told her about it alone so that her parents didn't hear, so that her friends didn't hear, so that her family didn't hear. And she had to deal with the confusion. Is she lying? Is she delusional? Is she naive? We want to believe Mary because she's such a good girl, but all these people are saying this and we didn't hear it. So we t what's going on in that family? She told Mary God, or the Gabriel told Mary before he told Joseph, so she had to live through that period when her own fiancé, who loved her and trusted her, actually rejected her, although wanted to honor her and just divorce her quietly. God chose Mary, the right girl, but at the wrong time. And my question again is, do we think Mary regrets this at all now? Or is she sitting before the King of kings and Lord of lords and going, God, you chose me. Not, could, it, could you have chosen me a bit later? Do you know the gossip I had to go through? Do you know the ridicule I had to go through? Do you know what happened between Joseph and I? Do you know this? Do you know the shame? No, God, you chose me to be part of your story. Elizabeth was unable and too old to have children. She was, humanly speaking, the wrong person at the wrong time. Mary's circumstances were just wrong. She was too young. She was potentially the right person, but at the wrong time. 
And the reality is that neither of these stories are the way these women ahead of time would have wanted it or would have imagined it or anything they would have asked for. They maybe had lots of gifts, but God chose to ignore all their gifts, all their skills, all their wisdom, all their timing, and yet to do his miraculous story in them so that the world would recognize them, but that the world would see him. I love what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12. And I just prayed this over Karen, and this is a, a life verse for me that I repeat regularly, almost pray every morning. Paul says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you because my power is made perfect in your weakness. And therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness that Christ's power may rest on me. That is the scripture that every insecure person, which means every single person sitting in chairs and every single person standing in front of those chairs, needs to hear regularly. I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so Christ's power may rest on me. Here's the Advent lesson. You and you do not have the gifts, the talents, the abilities, the wisdom, or the timing that God is looking for. Because he wants the world to see him and not you. Because the world desperately needs to see him and not you. And that's a hard, I even know as a speaker, because I want to look good. But I would so much rather look bad and have the Holy Spirit fall in power and have us wake up in him. The world needs to see him and not me. Advent is a season of remembering what God did when this baby came to earth. God became flesh, crammed into this tiny body. He grew to be a boy who grew to be a man who lived and loved and served and then was tried and persecuted and died and rose again to conquer sin and death to offer us salvation and life. But it's also a season to remember that that same king is coming back. And he's calling each of us out of gifts and out of time to be involved in that story. And that's a really intimidating thing if you're an insecure person sitting in these chairs or standing here. I love this, though. Next slide, Josh. Dietrich Bonhoeffer. The celebration of Advent is possible only to those who know themselves to be poor and imperfect and, and, will, and who look forward to something greater to come. The celebration of Advent is possible only 
the expectation of Christ's return, the hope in him, is only possible to, know, to those who know themselves to be poor and imperfect. And that is incredibly good news. The story of Jesus' first coming and the whole Bible, but this story sums it up as well, was not the story of God using the right people with the right gifts at the wrong time. It's God choosing the right people with the wrong gifts at the wrong time so the world won't celebrate people, although we do honor him, but the world will recognize that this miracle happened and we see this thing and I'm changed because of it, that the world will see him and come to know him. But then the problem is, I suppose, um, we look at these stories, not Dietrich, although he had an amazing story as well, and we think, yeah, but God spoke to them through angels, and God spoke to them in powerful ways. And I suppose one of the challenges for me this morning is that God actually rarely speaks in those ways. Even the Bible was really a highlight reel of thousands of years of history where God dropped in in moments in those spectacular ways and a whole bunch of ordinary things happened in between. More often than not, and in your experience, in my experience, God only speaks, God only, God speaks to us through nudges, through whispers, through promptings, through his word to, to confirm or deny those nudges and promptings. But here's the question. Mary and Elizabeth had angels, but we have nudges and promptings and whispers all the time. And how often have you had that nudge? I, I really need to call that person. Or that prompt. I need to, that person, there's something wrong. I need to ask them how they're really doing. Or that challenge. I know there's something there and I believe God can work. I, I should really pray for that person. Or that person you want to help, but I don't really know them that well and you've ignored them because oh, it's the wrong time, I'm actually on my way to work, or it's, I'm not the right person, I don't know them that well, or, or they, they don't know me that well, or, or I, I want to do that, but I, I don't really know how to get in that conversation, or, or they're going to ask me this question, but I don't know the answer to it, or, or I'm actually not articulate, or I'm, or I'm not outgoing, or the list of reasons in my head and your head goes on and on and on and on and on. Not angels, but how many of those nudges and promptings have you had and ignored? And this is my challenge for you and for me as, as, I, as we enter this story of Christmas. God wants to do something in you and me in an ordinary, maybe spectacular, but probably ordinary way, but a way that's different than your gifting, different than your timing, different than my wisdom because he needs our world to see him and not us and not me. At Christmas, Paul Coles and every person here, <clears throat> can we bring our weaknesses? Can we bring our insecurities of which we all have them? Kanye West, we're all insecure. I'm just the first to admit it. 
as a proverb from Kanye? Can we bring our lack of faith? Can we bring our fears? Can we bring our disappointments? Can we bring our confession of sin, of things we know we did wrong, and of confession of, of nudges we know we've missed, and just bring them before God and say, Lord, this Christmas and going into 2022, crazy that number, Lord, will you use me in a way that's greater than me? Will you nudge or whisper or point or prompt to one person even in this year, God, and give me the courage and the faith to step beyond my insecurity, beyond my fear, beyond my timing, beyond my wisdom, so that my world will see you, your glory, your honor, your power, your forgiveness, your grace, your son who lived and died and rose again and is the king of kings and lord of lords. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in your weakness. That's not the statement we like, Lord, but it's the statement we need. Help us, Lord Jesus, I pray. Amen. Mike's going to come and lead us in worship. And I pray we sit with that. I know it's, it's hard to resonate with these stories that happened so long ago now, but the story of you not being good enough is a very real story. Or sorry, not feeling good enough and not being good enough. The story of your insecurities is a real story. And the story of you and me ignoring the call of God because of that is a very real story, and I pray that we see his power in us today. Help us, Lord Jesus.